This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hello, Charlie. Am I looking good in the old monitor there? Uh, Yes, actually, you look quite fine. Oh, and there's me. Hi, everybody. Hi. I should have waved at you. Well, I can look through this plexiglass. They have have us separated. We fight a lot. Exactly. Well, now we're going to do paper airplanes over the partition. I remember when I used to sit beside you, not the other side, and you used to hit me. Exactly. Elbows. So I I went to Human Resources, and I said, I want to be separated from that woman. She keeps beating up on me. (laughs) You probably did, too. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past you. Well, anyway, here we are. Uh, the garden again, show back in the studio live. <laughs> yes, my earphones are How fun is this? Yeah, <laughs> and and you know it's exciting for the guys uh, who do the corner garage, Dave's corner. Mm. They're coming to to the studio live, and they are wild. They so, are. We got to clear the decks before oh, they get in here. Lord, love a duck. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, gee, I better get uh, my job out of the way here. Yep. Yep. Okay. I got to give you phone numbers, my friends, because uh, we want. We want calls. We want folks to say hello to Charlie and to offer up your questions, okay? So, here we go. Uh, call 1-866-740-4740. The other number is 416-360-0740, okay? Is that good? <laughs> I'm just flashing that? back a couple of oh, years ago, God, maybe yes, as I'm... many as 10 years ago, you did the numbers and they were the wrong numbers. Yeah. Some poor lady was getting calls. I know. Some <laughs> some person who had nothing to do with the garden show was getting calls. And they're like, what? Until we finally realized uh-huh. we weren't getting any calls. <laughs> Imagine, you know, how's your rutabaga doing? What? what? Who, who is calling me? <laughs> Why are you calling me? That was very funny. And, anywho, and, speed dial. Put and this, we do have, put the we number do have speed um, dial. Uh, some emails we'll deal with a little bit later on. We could do a two-hour show of just email yeah. at this point. I'm afraid, everybody, I'm sorry, but we only have, you know, we'll get some calls. And we'll get to yep. email as yep. well. So uh, updates from the home, uh, the home yes, cabin in the woods. Please do. Oh, uh, things are uh, cooking along. The trees. Oh my God, the trees are good looking good, eh? Beautifully. Oh, yeah. there's one tree in particular when you're coming in our language. It's just absolutely scarlet. It's just oh, oh it's stunning. It's really stunning. Hmm. And um, I think very shortly the swans who have. Five seconds. They're about ready to teach the the kids to to uh, oh, fly. fly. Oh, they haven't flown. And yet. it's so funny. Oh no! Uh, but to watch them, they, they trip over themselves and fall <laughs> and into the water. And, <laughs> and, oh God, it's so, just a right. So, and are they trying to fly at that point or just Not walking? Not yet. No, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen it. But imagine, like, <clears throat> I mean, I remember when my son was a teenager and he was growing rapidly, and he was such a klutz, right? He'd be tripping over himself and running into things. And I was very sympathetic. Keenan, how your mom talks. 
I was very sympathetic because every day his body was a new size from what it was the day before. And think of those little cygnets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were only born, Bull. what, three months ago? But and man, now they're like full-size swans. Yeah, they're so, like 30 no, pounds No least. question they're tripping over themselves. <laughs> That's all, That brain can't keep up with the yeah, body yeah. sometimes. Um, so uh, just to give you a quick update on what's yeah, going on at my place. So, as you know, we did all our planting of trees and shrubs and perennials for the season. I finished the front garden, so I have now... I have probably 150 empty pots on hand from Ooh. things that got yeah. planted. So I've got that all done. And all the grass seed went down, though we're still praying and dancing for rain. Uh-huh. Uh, there's supposed to be rain this weekend, but I think it's now being put off till next week. And the the final sort of icing on the cake, the driveway was paved on oh, Thursday. Wow, that really puts a finishing touch on things. It, huh? Well, that's it. No yeah. more loud machines. Yeah. And it was funny because while our driveway was being paved, the pavers were also going across the road. Plus, across the road, hydro seating was happening oh, and drill man. seating. I mean, it's so loud. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. It's what a construction zone. But now it's peace. Uh, peace is good. Okay. Do you know what? We better take a little break here and uh, get organized. That'd be nice. <laughs> Jeez. Speak uh, for yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, somebody's got control of the show here. <laughs> We're looking for your phone numbers. We see we have a couple of folks hanging on the line. That's good. Uh, we'll be to you in just a moment, okay? one 740 or 416 There you go. Back in a moment, Charlie Dobbin, Frankie Proctor here on Zoomer Radio with The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, I forgot to mention, I've got the bell. Oh, and it's if, good. If, if folks are calling in for the very first time, let us know because I want to ring that bell, okay? Yeah, you need that exercise. <laughs> we have Barb on the line. Where are you calling from, Barb? Oh, hi, Charlie and Frank. Oh, I'm calling from Aiton. It's a little town near Aiton. Hanover. Okay, yeah. Excellent. Welcome um, to the I was show. I uh, wondering if you had a, knew of a solution to keep cats out of uh, flower beds. That are using it as kitty litter? Uh, pardon? Are they using the flower beds as kitty litter? Yes. Oh, dirty little devil. <laughs> um, okay, so there are various repellents out there, things that smell bad that cats don't like. Uh-huh. I can tell you from experience, it looks very weird in the garden, but cats will not step on tinfoil. So oh, you, tin as foil. a training aid, you put out a couple of sheets of, of tinfoil in the areas where they tend to walk. Uh-huh. They will not walk there. Um, no, I've never seen a cat willingly step on tinfoil they they just their little tails blow up and they bounce about a meter in the air and take off so that can be a a kind of a non-threatening it's it's threatening but non-toxic way of discouraging them Uh and then one of my all-time favorites is go to your local dollar store get a big bag of plastic forks and then this takes a bit of time but Again, back to the area where they've been digging. You're going to break the handles off the forks, if you, particularly if you've got a shallow soil. And then you stick those forks into the soil with the, the prongs, prongs up, up oh. and they go just below the surface. So nobody can see that they're there. Even the cats can't see that they're there. Which is the point. <laughs> until they start to dig, and then they find them very quickly. It also works uh, to keep squirrels from putting peanuts into your garden and what that sort of thing. What plant skid? 
Yeah, that's one of those repellents. There's many, many repellents yeah. that we spray. Yeah, there is one called Plant Skid. I'm not sure. Uh, Home Hardware sells it. Canadian Tire, I believe, sells it. Plant S K Y D as in dog, D as in dog. Right. That's oh, a thought. Okay. Did, uh, do those high pitch um, products work? Not really. I, I, I think they work better in enclosed spaces. Um, like you say, inside a garage or something, if you've got mice, I mean, it's that thing of they won't come in. Um, and I know there's also oscillating little battery operated oscillating machines, but again, that's, again, that's more for underground. That's for moles and groundhogs and that sort of thing. I think cats will just ignore, they'll just think it's a bird or something. They're, they, like if they love your place, they're gonna want to go to your place. So the idea is to break that habit and just train them to go elsewhere. Well, try one of those methods. Let us know how you get along with that. Okay. 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 Well, thank you so much for Thanks, those Barb. suggestions. Thanks for calling. All right. Take care thank of Aiden you. for us. You, you got it. Hey, a double D here, Diane in Dorchester. Well, hello, <laughs> Diane. Welcome to the show. And you better ringy-dingy the bell because yes. I'm a first-time caller. Ringy-dingy here. <laughs> Welcome. There we go. Good for you. <laughs> okay, well, I love listening to your show. I've learned a lot. Okay. Unfortunately, my husband, who hates to garden because I've been after him for so many years. <laughs> anyway, we moved here 20 years ago, and uh, when they put the um, sod down in uh, the October and it came up in the spring, we watered. We did everything that we were supposed to. Um, we fertilized and that. We ended up uh, within two years rototilling the whole thing because mm. they took all our precious topsoil off and left stones underneath. Everywhere mm. there was a, a weed, there was a stone. Mm. So I got rid of that, and we thought we were doing good. We had bought some Nevada uh, drought-tolerant seed because we're on a sandy soil, and I believe it used to be a tobacco field. Mm. So you know all the, mm-hmm. the terrible fertilizers and weed killers and all that. Well, it's that not just that. It. There's residue in the soil. Not everything will grow where tobacco has grown for a number yes, of years. Yes, so. so anyway, as our attempts, and I mean attempts, and I'm using that lightly, mm. to grow grass, we have started uh, taking out grass, and we've planted, I think we have 13 trees now, and I love trees anyway, and we took huge, we took pea gravel, we've put that down, and we've put big, huge rocks and made, like, river bends, mm. so less grass to cut mm-hmm. and water and, and have to uh, worry about. But uh, my husband, again, this summer, everybody has, and it wasn't mm. rubs, it's just, I think, our uh, Drought. our climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. We've reseeded again, and it was over a week ago, and he's been gently watering. He followed everything that you said. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe we must, uh, with the with the sandy soil, maybe you can give us direction on what's the right soil, because... Uh, uh, I started doing some reading, and the uh, grass seed had Kentucky grass, rye, and fescue in it. Mm-hmm. And I being, uh, I'm reading that the Kentucky grass is a very weak grass, requires a lot of uh, watering, mm-hmm. and can't take the the uh, dry soil. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand out there every single day. <laughs> uh, as it is, we have a very high um, cost of our uh, for our water. Right. Uh, so if you could recommend. A grass mm. seed, uh, and uh, we would love to hear that one that would work. My husband's got holes in his knees, bending down. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> oh, well, okay. So let's think about that. Sandy soil in general is a well-drained soil, so yep. that's not going to hold the moisture. So to amend your soil, you need to put well. The classic amendment for any 
super well-drained soil is get some organic matter on the surface of your soil and do that every single year. Is it a very big lot? How big is your property? Oh, yeah. It's uh, almost 10,000 square feet. Oh, lordy. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. A, it's a lot to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you, uh, out of uh, respect for my neighbors, uh, I have planted uh, white clover in the backyard, and that's mm. where the dog runs. And I will not use any kind of weed killer or anything. Mm. I, I hand do everything because of the dog. Mm-hmm. And the, the only thing that really is surviving in the backyard even is the clover. Is the clover. Yeah. Right. So if you planted clover in your front yard, you think your neighbors might object? I don't know. But you know what? I'm getting to the point where I'm sorry. I live on a corner, so I don't mm-hmm. have anybody beside me. Mm-hmm. And the people on the other side, I don't really know if they would care or not. Hmm. So, you know, because you're right. Clover is a great one. Clover has a very deep tap root. So even in times of drought, clover is very good at getting its own water. Yeah, nice green. It looks it's great. always green yeah. because it, yeah. you know, it never goes dormant the way gr- turf grasses do. And then the extra special thing about clover is that it's a member of the, the legume family. So yeah. it actually f- creates its own fertilizer in the sense that it draws nitrogen out of the air and feeds itself. So clover is a great go-to. But as you point out, sometimes people don't really like it. Something I've, I is co- very drought tolerant is a form of lawn seed called eco-lawn. So ECO lawn. It is a blend of fescues only, five kinds of fescues. What's kind of cool about this, this particular grass seed is that number one, it's very tough, very drought tolerant, and it only grows to a point and then it stops. So it'll get about eight inches tall if you never mow it through the oh. growing season. And that by eight inches tall, it kind of flops over and looks a bit like a floppy grass, but mm-hmm. it doesn't like sort of many grasses will keep growing and ultimately shade out and kill themselves by flopping down on top of their own their own crown but in the case of ecolon you can just mow it once a year mow it twice a year oh, there's none of this having to be out there every week mowing um, oh my and- gosh tell my grandkids that i'm paying them that their their father didn't want them to be paid at all and i only give them 20 dollars to uh, do the lawn most and uh, they wouldn't make like any that. money off my lawn would they <laughs> yeah don't tell them so eco Ecolon was originally trademarked by a, um, a woman named Miriam Goldberger and her husband. So the, where you would find the information on Ecolon is go to a website that is called Wild Flower Farm. Oh, Wild outside, Flower Farm? Just outside Aurelia. And oh. uh, they, you can get anything shipped from them. They do lots and lots of different seed blends. They're very big into wildflower and wildflower wow. blends. Oh, oh um, that's nice. But yeah, I, I would look pretty closely... Because you're right, Kentucky bluegrass, we love what it looks like, but it is not a tough grass. It's actually pretty wimpy grass. So it's beautiful to sit on your porch and admire your bluegrass lawn, but don't walk on it and make sure you have irrigation and all those important things. So Sandy, think about Sandy Soil, think about any opportunities to even over a period of years, get those grandkids, put them to work, get some loads of uh, some good organic material brought in and get them to spread it around and rake it around for you. Okay, right. organic matter. Yeah, yeah. My husband's yelling out, "What kind of organic material?" Well, it depends what's available. Composted manure. We don't always put that on the lawn because it can be a bit sticky, but it works fine. Triple mix is full of organic material, good quality. Make sure you're getting quality 
couple of yards brought in and put, like I said, put those grandkids to work. Yeah. Okay, triple mix. Okay, yeah, right. that's excellent then. Right. Okay, that's hey, great. Diane, well, you, he you, thought that he uh, was doing something good. He got uh, mushroom compost. Yeah, but then, it's full of weeds. Uh, and they, they said it was sterilized, but then we ended up for five years in a row, we had all kinds of mushrooms growing <laughs> oh, in our Lord lawn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, and I'll let the next person take over. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Diane. Yep. <laughs> and condolences to your husband. Oh, my gosh. The poor, the poor yeah. husband. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we are bumping up. In fact, we're over time for our, our next break in the show, and we will deal with some emails. And so I'm going to ask uh, for Diane and uh, Helen, who are on, waiting online, just be patient. Okay, we're going to get to you, but we, we have to, to uh, take a little uh, email or two uh, coming up after these words on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, we're going to uh, go to the email bag right here and uh, pick up... Oh, here's a... Now, I love the way Leslie Morgan starts out her little note to you. And to me, he says, hi, Charlie and Frank. You guys are awesome. Yes. And I never miss a show. Sometimes I even listen twice with the podcast on Wednesday. I love it. Well, she says, I've had this hibiscus for three years. It goes into a sunny spot in my deck in the summer, comes inside for the winter. Keep it by a west-facing window. This summer only saw three flowers, but it has grown. My question is, when should I bring it inside, and when should I cut it back, and by how much? Brampton, Ontario. Leslie Morgan. Thank All you. Right. And um, Leslie sent a photograph. Yeah. And uh, in the photograph, the, the hibiscus looks very healthy, nice yep. and green and lush. And look, that almost works. Oh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> Don't need to send a paper airplane. We can slip under. So... Um, <laughs> So, no, it does look very, very nice when to prune. If you don't need to prune it this fall, like it's not too big to get through the door and into that western location, then leave it alone. Give it a good soap and water wash before you bring it in before frost. So we're getting towards the end of September. You're in Brampton. You know, anytime. This actually this weekend is great because this is a nice dry weekend, nice warm temperatures. Give it a soap and water wash today if you want. Yeah. Let it drip dry. Of course, wash off that soap. Let it sit for an hour or two. Wash off the soap. Drip dry. Maybe bring it in tomorrow. The reason I'm saying don't prune it now if you don't have to is because now is not the time to do any radical pruning on any plants. Better to wait, if you can, until spring. And what I would do in this case of a hibiscus, really hard prune it in late February, early March. So... Take off, take half of, you know, shrink it by half if you want to, uh, at the most, not more than a half. A third is usually the, the rule of thumb, but hibiscus is very vigorous. So in the spring, hard pruning and start fertilizing. No fertilizer now, of course, right through until spring and then regular fertilizing after that. Okay. A note from uh, Rebecca Somerville in Scarborough. Uh, I put black two inches of uh, mulch down in a large area, approximately 25 by 35 feet, hoping to keep the weeds at bay. However, it didn't put any landscape cloth down before, and weeds are coming through. Now I need to take the mulch back and put cloth in, or is there an easier way to resolve this problem? (laughs) Hmm. Okay. 
I know. We always think that if we just, there's a few weeds popping up, but if we just cover them up with mulch, yeah. they'll stop, right? Mm-hmm. It quite never works like that. And the, the fabric, where is that writer writing from, does she say? Yes, Scarborough. Scarborough. So the issue with landscape fabric, it's a lot of work, right? To pull all that mulch back, get your cl- fabric laid down. Well, first, pull all the mulch back, pull all the weeds out, put the fabric down, peg the fabric so it stays nice and firm and tight down to the ground, then put the mulch back, and then a squirrel's going to come along and say, hmm, I have to bury this walnut somewhere, and it's going to dig through the mulch and start to pull up the cloth. And you can never get the cloth down flat again once it starts being pulled up by things like squirrels. So... What I would do if I were you is I would just get out like a nice tough screwdriver. I'd get my bottle of wine probably <laughs> and, and yeah. so a kneeling pad or something, you know, because you're going to be down at ground level and work your way through where those weeds are coming up, gloves, pull the mulch aside, use that screwdriver or that weeding tool and go straight down into the soil, lever that weed out, root and all. Mm-hmm. We do have rain coming, so you're going to be – this process will be easier after the rain when the soil is softer and you know you've got your bushel basket don't you know get those weeds off the property uh and it's just and then mulch back into that spot and then you know crawl to the next spot and keep going it's it, it does become a bit of a crawl, particularly if you're doing you it with that a wine bag, bottle yeah. of wine. <laughs> but, but either way, I mean, you know, it's really, it's pretty mindless, trust me. So, but it does make a difference. And, and the weeds will keep more, sorry, the mulch will keep more weeds from coming up. But for now, the weeds that are coming up need to be annihilated. The only other thing you can do, and it's completely illegal, is you get yourself some Roundup and you spray those green weeds with Roundup that are growing out of the mulch, that will also kill them. But Roundup is technically and legally only allowed to be used on noxious weeds like poison ivy. Okay. Wine bag, most important in that last whole Weeding wine, they go together, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to our phone lines now. Let's say hi to Diane calling in from Arlington. Where's Arlington, Diane? No, no, it's not Arlington, it's Alvinston. Oh, Oh, Alvinston, okay. Okay. How do I prepare my rhubarb bed for winter? Oh, shouldn't have to do much. I mean, there's still leaves there, there are flowers there. Yep, yep. Yep. Personally, I would just let everything, once frost hits, let it collapse. I'm not a big fan of pruning, pruning everything out. <laughs> okay. Hey, it works. Okay. So just letting it die? die it let it drop down in the frost, exactly. Okay. Right. And then in, then in the spring, just pull those off. What yeah, you're like going to find, yeah, in the spring, depending on the, the quality of your soil, that those big leaves that fall down, they will sometimes very rapidly disappear if you've got lots of worms, et cetera. But if they are just sitting on the surface of the soil, like a big, you know, wet napkin, then you're right. You're going to have to pull them off in the spring. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. Uh, Anne in Newmarket on the line. Good morning, Anne. Morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we, we can. can. Welcome to the show. Okay, sorry, I'm on the 404. Um, I'd like to grow wisteria. We have a south-facing garden, and we've just built a new deck, and um, I'd really love to grow wisteria, and I wondered if when's the best time to plant, and would I be successful? I know it takes a long time, and I'm willing to wait, but I just want to know how feasible it is. Hmm. So... It is feasible, even in Newmarket. Uh, it will be a little bit on the tender side. I am not... Okay, so you built, built a new deck, but remember, wisteria is a vine that grows very quickly and 
and is well, that's all right. Anne's can. <clears throat> Carlos just let me know that we lost Anne because oh. she's driving, right? But that's when imagine Anne has now turned up her radio. <clears throat> But so she's still listening. Wisteria, big, vigorous vine needs a structure to grow onto a very strong structure, not just a little skinny arbor or little railing. It needs because wisteria uh, lives for many, many years. It gets very, very heavy. Uh, it can be absolutely gorgeous when flowering. You asked when you would buy such a thing. What I would do is I would. Go to your local garden centers. Next spring, <clears throat> wisteria should bloom usually around sometime in June. Try and buy a, a, an actual specimen that is blooming when you buy it. And that lets you know that this plant can bloom. And then, of course, you're going to put it into that sunny location, but you're going to make sure it's got you know, many, many years of very strong structures to grow on. Then you're going to do some Googling on how to prune. They're a bit of a challenging prune because they, you get a lot of leaves sometimes and not a lot of flowers. Never fertilize because <laughs> they just get too big. So no fertilizer and a certain level of skill for pruning. Three times a year we prune our wisteria in order to control them and maximize flowers. So yeah, good luck with that, Ian. All right. Uh, let me get back to an email here. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is from Stephen Sivich, who says, uh, Good morning, Charlie and Frank. I'm a first-time caller. Ring that bell. Yeah, capital letters. All <laughs> yeah. right, there you All are. Right. Welcome to the show. Earlier this year, says so Stephen, you mentioned the method of propagating, calling layering or burying a lower stem into a pot and letting it develop roots. The stem grew quite well, but when... And how do I know when to cut the stem between the pot and the main stalk of the plant? I provided a few picks for your uh, viewing there. Um, he says, uh, it's. I'm pretty sure it's a Warsaw Nike. I'm not sure what Nike is. That's the name. Oh, okay. Any guidance tips about next steps? Greatly appreciated. Cutting the stem larger pot or pruning or anything. Uh, the existing clematis has been pruned it hasn't been pruned, pardon me, since we bought it two years ago. What would you recommend? Okay, but just put in the also. Oh, yes. Well, I know that he's going to be online here. I just saw uh, a Warner uh, from um, Tilsonburg uh, calling in, and he's going to be on the show in moments. But anyway, he says, I've been using Werner's tomato fertilizing recipe, Epsom salt and powder skim milk, and it's been working real good. You guys put on a good show. <laughs> My Saturday morning, go to the station, always entertaining and educational. Keep up the good work, Steve in Richmond Hill. Hey, thanks, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And it looks to me like you've done a very good job. So, early, earlier in the spring, <clears throat> Steve separated one of the stems of his clematis or clematis from the main bunch of them that were going to go up a trellis, and he separated it to grow horizontally away from the main stem and he buried a pot in the ground and then he pinned that that stem down into the pot with like a big bobby pin basically and now months have gone by so what has happened of course is that the stem that was separated from from the main and directed to grow across the pot has now rooted into the pot and I think Steve's pretty confident of that. Um, he, you know, you indicate that you are, it, it looks like it has. It's, it's certainly mm-hmm. growing green. So what are you going to do? Well, get out your pruners. You're going to separate 
daughter from mother by pruning and cutting that umbilical cord that's got them still connected. That's because we, you know, it's assuming, and you'll know that that one stem has rooted into the pot. Just give it a light little tug. Make sure it is being held down by roots. If it is, you're good to go. Separate with pruners. Now you have the plant in the ground and the plant in the pot. Right. So if you have a plan to where that daughter plant is going to go, then you're in a position to prep the whole and transplant you know, anytime today. Mm. If you're not sure, if this is like, I want to give it to my friend for their birthday next year, then leave it in the pot for the winter, but bury the pot somewhere in your garden for the winter. When do you prune? That particular, it does look like it could be Warsaw Nike that you've got. It is trimmed right down to six inches tall every spring when the growth starts. So I love clematis in the spring because the little tiny buds, they start to open up, but they're kind of furry. They look like little mouse ears or squirrel ears. They're very soft and gray. As soon as you start to see those fuzzy little ear-looking buds, then get out your pruners and cut the all, all of that variety of that plant down to approximately six inches tall or just above some buds and uh, it'll it'll look beautiful it's and then at that same time you're going to fertilize but that pruning down thick you get a much bigger bulkier plant plus you get blooms right down to the ground Alrighty, uh we're bumping up against our next break here and uh, to uh let's see we've got valerie uh, in burlington waiting online valerie we're gonna come to you next so don't go away and we, we're coming back Charlie Dobbin, Frankie Proctor here on The Garden (laughs) Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, it is The Garden Show, and we welcome Diane from New Hamburg. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Morning. It's a beautiful morning out here. Nice. It's gorgeous here, too. No more fog. Oh, great, great. <clears throat> Just uh, wanted to know, I dug up my gladiolas mm-hmm. and dahlias this week and wanted to know how uh, you store them properly over winter. Okay, so they are stored differently. Did you get a frost at your place? Uh, yes. Okay, because... Um, what I, with the glads, I mean, both the glads and the dahlias cannot be left in the ground over the winter, as you know, because they won't survive outside all winter. But mm-hmm. I do like to leave them out until there's been a good hard frost, and that makes them go completely dormant. So what happens is that the leaves will turn black in the case of the dahlias, and the whole plant basically collapses. And it's at that point that I go out with my digging fork, I dig them all up out of the ground, and then lay them on newspaper on a porch or in the garage, somewhere out of the weather, but still just lying exposed and drying down for a little while. A couple of days. Okay. Then it's a gloves on, carefully brushing the soil as much as possible off of the, the tubers um, in or, or rhizomes, as the case may be. Glads are actually corms, which are, mm-hmm. uh, and then dahlias are um, tubers. So we carefully rub some of the soil off. We, cl- we clip with our pruners all that vegetation off and then dahlias need to be stored into peat moss something something completely clean and sterile okay so it could be perlite it could be peat moss it could be potting soil but they need to be 
kept under something so that they're, it's in the dark. Um, I've had good success with a bit of moisture in that particular mix. Uh, but again, make sure they're well covered under whether it's peat or potting mix or whatever. And glads, of course, we just get an old pair of pantyhose or an onion bag, pop the glads into, into a well aerated bag and hang them from the ceiling somewhere in the basement. Oh, great. Well, the onion, yeah, that'd be great. I got an onion bag. Perfect. Just pop them in there. Yeah. They don't need to be put into a dark uh, place with um, uh, peat moss. Not at all, but the dahlias oh. do. Okay. Alrighty. Wonderful. And I'm a faithful AM740 listener and enjoy, always look forward to your show on Saturday morning. Thank well, you so heart. much. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, pleasure sharing breakfast with you. Boy, it's fun yeah. coming back, eh? I'll tell you, yeah, the folks are out there and I mean, we've, we've definitely yep. received some excellent emails so it's you know it's a big thank you for all those as well and we will I, we will continue to cycle through them if yep. if frank can just keep them straight <laughs> I forward them to oh, him please. <laughs> uh, we've got time to uh, take of course a call from uh, lorraine calling in from cambridge good morning lorraine hi morning. Um, i i have a um, rose of sharon and i'm um, asking a question about that and the hibiscus i believe the big red ones that mm-hmm. bloom late mm-hmm. in the summer mm-hmm. Now the seeds, the neat little little plantlets that I pull out, do they are they in the dead flowers that come down? Um, oh, from the rose of Sharon? Yes. No seeds drop down, and then they germinate when they hit the ground. Okay, but they're separate from the the, um, the dead flowers. Man. The flowers have a little green little bud inside. Oh, uh, yeah. No, the, the the petals are just the petals. What's left behind is the fruit, and as it matures, it, it opens and it expels those seeds out. And many people will leave Rose of Sharon fruit, if you will, on the shrub for the winter because it's considered somewhat ornamental, and then prune back the Rose of Sharon in the spring. And that's kind of like those little husky things? Exactly, exactly. Okay, what about on the, the ones in the, the late summer... Okay, so that's a perennial hibiscus that dies down over the winter and disappears from view. And, of course, we love it because it's so showy. And it comes up so late, we always think it didn't survive. But, nevertheless, it it should not reseed itself. So the main thing to do with that plant is, of course, let it go through its regular cycle as winter comes. But do put a little marker of some kind, whether it's a stake or a little flag, so you know where it is in the spring. Because we always forget. And it's (laughs) so slow. Actually, this is my my neighbor's the red hibiscus, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping I was hoping to get some seeds on my side of the fence. Oh, <laughs> I don't Good think luck so. With that. You may have to go buy one. I'm afraid yeah. to say. Yeah, okay, thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, You're Lorraine. welcome. And you know, we have, <coughs> Eva me. has been hanging on the line oh, from quick, Mississauga. Then. Quick, quick, bless quick. her heart. Come on, Eva, get on the line there. Hello there. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a problem. I've got planters outside my apartment building. Mm-hmm. What can I do to discourage dogs from misusing it as they leave the building? Hmm. So have a leak on the planter right. boxes. So are they um, urinating on the actual planter or on the plants in the planter? On uh, both. Both. Oh boy. Um, hmm. Barbed wire? <laughs> uh, a shotgun? No. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. You could try that product, that plant skid. It is supposed to repel all mammals. So it okay. might be worth a try. Of course, first I think you need to kind of do a bleach wash of the planters, try and clean them up as much as you can. Well, I tried vinegar and water and that didn't work. Yeah, they didn't, didn't bother them. Just straight vinegar might work better. But oh, even okay. so, it's a clean and then spray and, and hopefully repel. So, okay, I'll try luck. that. 
All right. <laughs> thank Gee, you. Thank you, Eva. I'm sorry to kind of cut you short there, but we're, we're at fresh a, at a racetrack here. I know, and there's going to be a wild and crazy show oh, starting after this look one. Out, the boys are ginned up. The I think the boys are back. Is what we have to say. Being on the air live in the studio for many many weeks. Um, anyway, <laughs> many it's been months. A fun show this morning. It has. Uh, I know you got up very early this morning, so yes. I'll I'll try to not tease you about you know getting confused with the emails, <laughs> but um, we'll have so to much. we'll have to maybe get you a, a proper alarm clock for the future <laughs> thank you charlie <laughs> and thank you franklin thank you carlos couldn't do any of this without help from the other side of the the studio and thanks to all our great callers all the great emails the listeners we love your questions keep them coming we'll see you all again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.